Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yeah. Everyone could tell me exactly what they need from me The first second they speak to me I'm not with all the secrecy secretly beefing me Behind closed doors but playing it peacefully For the streets to see my have some decency Don't move like a puto Could at least keep it a buck like answer to Kumbo I'm made north of the border like Vito Rizzuto Throwing parties in Miami Welcome to the debut of the Keeping It A Buck podcast in Milwaukee Bucks show for the Believe Podcast Network The number one podcast network for professionals I'm Jake Weinbach, and joining me today to talk trade deadline and all-stars is my colleague and the site expert of Behind the Buck Pass, Dalton Sell. Dalton, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, man. Glad you had me. I'm honored to be the debut debut guest. So, Yeah, it's exciting. It's the first one. It's thrilling to get this one started here. We're talking about the world champs, so let's get right into it. This has been a hot topic across Bucks Twitter, but I wanted to get your take on cutting DeMarcus Cousins a few weeks ago. I think I know where the Bucks did it, but let me get your take on it first. Yeah, I was definitely frustrated with the move just because like Cousins had been playing so well as our backup center. And, you know, he was just, people say, you know, people compare him to PJ and all that stuff because, you know, he was tough and he was a fan favorite and all that, but it wasn't really like that for me. It was because he was playing a position that we needed help at. And then when we cut him, you could tell like one of the games against the Raptors in this stretch, the Raptors grabbed 16 offensive rebounds because the Bucks only had Giannis and Bobby as their bigs. You know, we didn't have any, have anybody down there to rebound. And it's like, you know, somebody like Cousins can help you in that scenario, you know, a huge guy like that. And I just, I don't get it. I didn't, I didn't get the move. You know, I know you had to guarantee his contract and dish out some more money, but this is a guy that was helping you win and you just like let him go and look what's happened. You know, we've been getting pounded on the glass lately. We let a team grab 16 offensive rebounds against us. That's just, that's terrible. So no, I definitely was not a fan. I felt we should have kept him and Matthews. And what do you think? I'm curious. You said you have some, behind the scenes stuff or whatever so i'd like to hear yeah. what your take on it yeah i believe it was two days before his guaranteed contract date when we cut him mm-hmm. so i think the main reason behind waving him is because the bucks are deep deep into the luxury tax and they just didn't want to pay him for the remainder of the season that's all i think it is i just think it's the owners being cheap and i know horse said that the reasoning was because they wanted the roster flexibility and an extra roster spot as we approached the trade deadline. But, you know, I, I just can't buy that because of how effective he was with this team. It just didn't make much sense. I thought we were going to keep him. Wesley Matthews, too. We ended up keeping Wes and not Cousins. It's just it was a really shocking move based on how well he was playing. And now you see it now in these last few games, the Bucks are lacking depth at the forward position. It's tough to see him go, but hopefully it all works out in the end. Horse did say he, you know, he left a little cryptic ending there when he was talking about Cousins. He said, you know, oh, we would be open to working with him again down the future. So, you know, if that roster spot is open after the trade deadline and the bio market and Cousins is in a weird position right now, you know, they said he's signing with Denver, but he hasn't signed with Denver, but Denver's still interested in signing him. But if that doesn't work out for whatever reason and the Bucks are still getting killed after the deadline, Maybe they go back to him. You know, I would like to see that. I think he'd, he'd still be helpful, especially if we've got that spot. So I would keep an eye on that for sure. Hey, yeah, I sure hope so. All right, let's move on to the trade deadline. So where it gets interesting. So we got a few prospects. I know you and I have written about this for Hoops Habit and Behind the Buck Pass for Fansided. And so we're going to get right into it. The trade deadline is February 10th. The Bucks have a few assets, not much draft picks, but a few assets that they can offer as well as some salary matching purposes 
But again, they're deep in the luxury tax, so they can't really afford to acquire more than they take out. So we're going to go through the list here. I'm going to go first, and then you're going to mention one after, and then we're going to keep going every other. Sound good? Yeah, for sure. All right. The first potential trade target, and this is a guy that I do think we can realistically get before the deadline, and it's Justin Holiday from the Indiana Pacers. Holiday is a wing that can play multiple positions. He's very versatile. He can shoot the three. And, of course, he's related to our point guard, Drew Holiday. What do you think about Justin and the realistic possibility that he could be a Milwaukee Buck after the trade deadline? I am a big fan of that. You know, like I've mentioned in my articles, the Pacers have been, you know, willing to blow it off. We've heard all the rumors about Sabonis and Turner and Levert, but I would assume that Holiday is in that mix as well. And he'd be, he wouldn't be in that tier. He'd be a tier below of people they would like to trade or their best assets or whatever. So I definitely feel like he would be attainable for the Bucks and he would help, you know, our bench has not been good. And part of that is because Bobby's been in the starting five. So that production has been down, but I think our bench ranks 29th and 29th in points per game this season. And it's been a struggle. It's been really bad. And then if, you know, if you bring a guy like holiday in there, that's a guy that can give you double figures on a nightly basis. And I believe I talked about it earlier today. He was shooting, he's shooting like seven threes a game and he's pretty good percentage. I think it's like 38, 39. And, you know, that'd be great off the bench. We, especially with like his defense too, he's not an outstanding defender, but he's so lanky and he's got, he's got a long wingspan and he would just be, you know, another versatile piece to bring off the bench. So I'm all for that, mostly mostly for the offense and the shooting, just because we need that like bad. Like 29th and bench points per game is not going to get it done. Yeah, I think he'd be great on both sides of the ball. And uh, listen, Holiday, he only makes about $6 million a year. Mm-hmm. So we can offer Dante DiVincenzo and Semi and that might do it. Only because the Pacers are in that rebuilding mode. They might consider it. They'll probably, if they want to part ways with them, um, just sell them to the highest bidder. But I think they'd be intrigued having Dante. Dante will be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. I think they'll be, they might be enticed by DiVincenzo and they'll, they'll have a chance to see what he's got and then make a decision on him at the end of the season. And so I think it, it makes sense for both teams and their timeline. It's just a matter of if the Pacers are willing to do that, the Bucks, they don't really have much first round picks they can offer. They have their 2022 first and then their 2028, I believe. And then a bunch of second round picks. So, I mean, Justin seems like for me, the most realistic option for the Bucks coming up to the trade deadline, but we'll get into I, more later. I don't know if I me. would be- I don't know if I would back you on the most realistic only because I don't know. I feel like the Bucks have like, I feel like they have the soft spot for Dante. Like I know they traded him for right. Bogdanovich initially, but that was literally like to bring in one of Giannis's close friends to get him to sign the Supermax, you know, like, I just feel like they've always been so fond of Dante that they would like to keep him in any deal unless it's for like something so dire like that. But no, I'm definitely all for the package you proposed. I definitely think Dante and Ojale for a guy like that would help. And especially because I don't think the Bucks are going to pay Dante after the season. You know, they already paid Allen. Because and of they the Allen extension. Exactly. I, yeah, I just don't think that they're going to pay Dante to stick around and be a bench guy, especially if he's playing how he has this season. You know, I know he's coming off the surgery and he was in the protocols for a while and then he re-hurt his ankle, but I just don't think they're going to pay him. So I think it would definitely be wise to get rid of him before the deadline just to, you know, get something rather than lose him for nothing after the season. Right. We remember what happened. We remember what happened with Malcolm Brogdon, you know, he left after the season and we got, I don't remember the return we got, but he we just got a left first round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get a first round pick for Dante, you know, probably in a sign it trade. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. And I just, when I think of holiday, I just imagine that you having a lineup of Drew Holiday, 
Wesley Matthews, Justin Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Lots of offense in there. And on defense, a lot of switching defensively. And they're all versatile defenders that can guard multiple positions. That intrigues me a lot. Good luck scoring on that lineup. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. All right. Speaking, next speaking tar- of guys. Oh, yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Next target. What do you got for me? I was going to say, speaking of defenders that would just fit and make the Bucks more menacing is uh, Dorian Finney-Smith of the Dallas Mavericks. What do you think about him? I am high on him. I like him a lot. The only thing is, are the Mavericks willing to trade him? Uh, he's on a $4 million expiring contract, which makes him, you know, expendable. But at the same time, he's playing really well for the Mavs right now. And Dallas is fifth in the West right now. And so they're, they're a playoff team. And so if they're going to trade Dorian Finney-Smith, it'll be, you'll have to give up something big for him, something that can entice Dallas, who is going to be a playoff team. It is tough, yeah. I just I know that there have been rumors that you know a lot of teams are eyeing him, and there was some talk that oh, is Dallas going to pay him after the season because they are going to have to pay Brunson too, and I think you pay Brunson in that scenario more than Finney Smith, obviously. But definitely, I, just yeah, because of their resurgence, I definitely think it's going to be tough for them to deal him just because he's having a career year. I think he's averaging double figures for the first time and shooting a career. I think he's shooting like 5.13 attempts per game and that's a career high for him. So I definitely think it's getting harder to say that they might trade him as the days go on, especially because like, what are the Bucks going to offer? I mean, yeah, he's got a great value at 4 million, but if the Bucks say, Hey, I'll give you Dante DiVincenzo for Finney Smith, are they going to be intrigued by that? Are they going to be intrigued by Dante and Wara? I mean, Probably not, just because Dante has done no favors to raise his trade value since coming back. Like, maybe a couple months ago, teams would have been interested, but I don't think they're going to be right now. So he's getting lesser and lesser on the likely scale, I would say. But I'd love to have him. He'd be great for defense. He'd bring some versatility offense. But I just can't see it happening right now, unless something, you know, changes. But credit to Dallas for working their way up. They've got a great defense. I think I saw today that they were like, fifth in defensive rating now, yeah, which is just crazy. They are, yeah. So I don't think they're going to trade away a key piece like that, but as much as I would like them to. I agree. But if they were to trade Finney Smith, I think it would be a multi-team deal. Just to get his salary, for salary matching purposes, he'd have to be included in that deal with a $4 million contract, and that's where the Bucks could swoop in and take him away. That's the only scenario where I can see that happening. And I think it's very possible, too, because I think the Mavericks will do something before the deadline. Whether it's pursuing Jeremy Grant, John Collins is reportedly available since he's reportedly frustrated with his role in Atlanta. Uh, Dallas is out of the Miles Turner sweepstakes, but there's so many guys out there that I think they could pursue. And if they do, Finney Smith could be involved and the Bucks could swoop in. That's all I'll say. I'd like that, man. I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I am hoping you're right. <laughs> Next target is Robert Covington of the Portland Trailblazers. So Covington, Covington might be more tough to get because he makes around 12 million, 12 million a year this season. And the Bucks really don't have much salary to match up with that unless they trade Brooke Lopez, who makes about 11 million a year. And the thing with Brooke, we just don't know what his timetable is. The Bucks have been very private about that. But Brooke is also on contract for next season. And if there's just a chance that he'll be back for the playoffs this season, I don't see us trading Brooke. Which makes us unlikely to trade for a guy like Robert Covington or anybody with that similar contract. So, but Covington is reportedly available with the Blazers as they look to retool the roster around Damian Lillard. And so he's an option, but don't know if it's realistic enough for the Bucs to acquire him. Yeah, I know the Bucs have had some previous interest in him before the 2019-20 season. There was a rumor that they were trying to get both P.J. Tucker and Covington, but nothing ever happened there, obviously, until we got Tucker a couple months later. But I wrote in my piece today about trade targets for the Bucs that 
I think Covington is the unlikeliest of the bunch just because like what you said, the salary he makes, I think it's like 12.9 million this season. Correct. They can't, they can't reasonably do that without moving Lopez. And like you were saying, I think if there's even like a sliver of hope that he can be back for the playoffs and be some version of himself, the Bucks aren't going to do it. Anybody that makes over 10 million in trades, I don't think is realistic for the Bucks just because they're, I don't think they're going to include Lopez for in any deal, I should say. So I would like him on, I would like Covington on the Bucks. You know, great defender, switchable, can do a lot of things. He'd fit right in with the Bucks. Good shooter, but I just think it's pretty unrealistic because of that hefty salary. So agreed. And not people realize how important Brooke Lopez is to this team, whether it's the system and the schemes. It's he's just so important. And they're not going to trade a guy like that, even if he's just got off back surgery for a guy like Covington, who's, you know, not in his prime of his career. And yeah, I just, I can't see it. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Covington, like I think he's having a down year this year and I just, yeah, it just wouldn't be wise to trade Lopez. I am a firm believer in the keep Lopez, bring him back for the playoffs. So there was some talk about people like, Oh, we should trade for miles Turner. And well, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but I just don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but. I'd like I'd like him on the team if he made around you know six five million, but that's not the world we live in. Exactly. We can hope for a buyout, but <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. The Blazers are they're in a, kind of a weird spot. You know, Dame's out, CJ's been out for so long, and they're just kind of hanging around. You know, they're in danger of missing the playoffs. So who knows? Like you said, they've been in the rumors about maybe blowing things up, and I think. Nurkic, Covington, and Nance are all on the block. And, you know, Nance is somebody I would kick the tires on too, but I think he makes more than $10 million also, so that would definitely be hard to do. Right. Yep. All right, so we'll move on. We're on the same page with Covington. Yeah, yeah. And the next guy on the list is Gorgie Jiang. I've actually had some before this season, I was kind of saying that I wouldn't mind the Bucks just taking a look at him because – he didn't have a good year last year, but just to add some center depth and, you know, credit to my fellow site co-expert at behind the buck pass, you know, Bradshaw was saying that the center position was going to be so vital to the bucks repeating this season. And then after one game our starting center gets hurt and hasn't played another game since. So he's, he was spot on there and the center position has definitely been a hot topic, but I think a guy like that could definitely help, you know, he's not all world at anything, you know, he's not, an elite rim protector or a elite scorer, but you know, he's a serviceable player down there. He could give you some quality minutes that we just don't have right now. And I think the tough part with him comes with his salary. I think it's 4 million. It's an expiring 4 million. And, you know, to get that, it's kind of a weird spot because the bucks would have to include both Rodney and Shemi to do that. And I don't think a team like Atlanta is going to be like, we'll take that. Like, no, I don't, I don't think that that's, they're going to take that. So the only part about him that I don't think is going to work is the package, but I'd like to have him just because, you know, we need that depth right now. And he's, I don't think he plays a lot for Atlanta. So if there was some way that we could get him, that was reasonable, I would be all for it. Exactly. The front court depth and the 4 million contract. So a possibility for sure. And then the next guy is a similar for center depth, it's Mo Bamba from the Orlando Magic. Now, Bamba, like DiVincenzo, is a res- will be a restricted free agent in the offseason. And he's making $7.5 million this year. So, we would have to include DiVincenzo and more in a potential deal for him. I heard the Magic won a first-round pick, though. And so, it would be hard to entice the Magic unless they're fond of DiVincenzo. What do you think about Mo Bamba? Yeah, I I definitely would like him. You know, great rim protector. I think he's having a career year offensively, averaging double figures. And like you said, the biggest thing about him is trying to bring him in. I think financially, DiVincenzo and Ojale works again, but the Magic aren't going to take that. They've got so many guards with Suggs and Fultz and Cole Anthony that I just don't think they're going to see a guy like DiVincenzo and be like, okay, yeah, we're going to, you know, pay this guy after the season and get rid of 
one of our promising centers, but especially if like they want a first round pick too, we we're definitely not going to have like the best offer. So though I think it is unrealistic, I would like it because that'd be a great guy to have, but it it would get confusing what you would do with him after the season because he is going to be a restricted free agent. It's like, oh, okay, are we going to pay this guy that we just traded a lot for? Or it would just put him in kind of a weird position. But just right now for the rest of the season, he'd be a great, great backup center to have. But I just I just can't see it happening unless unless John Horst, you know, works some miracles. But I would love him on the team if so. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's going to be tough to acquire him. And I think a team that has more flexibility would be able, would have a better chance of acquiring him if the Magic were to trade him. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. It's, it's interesting because Wendell Carter Jr. has kind of taken over that role. And they've been hoping it's, it would be Bamba. But yeah, it says it all. Well, let me talk about this next guy because this is the next guy that, or this is a guy that I have been com- campaigning for on Twitter. Yeah, I've been, definitely. I've been getting, a, I've been getting a lot of, you know, mixed reactions. I, people either love the idea or they just straight up hate it, and I, I kind of get both perspectives. But that guy is Dennis Schroeder, and you know, I am, I'm a fan. You know, I have been pretty vocal about my. What's the word? What's the word that won't get me fired? I don't, I don't <laughs> like what George Hill's brought to the table this season. He. I was really excited in the offseason because last year we had the whole backup point guard debacle with DJ Augustine and then he didn't pan out and then we traded him and then we brought in Jeff Teague and Jeff Teague didn't really pan out. And Jeff Teague. And we brought Jeff Teague game six uh, Eastern Conference semi or Eastern, Eastern Conference finals. Yeah. Against the Hawks clutched up. But I was, I was excited to bring Hill back. You know, he had a, he played pretty good for us and he led the league in three point percentage one year. So I was really excited, but, he just hasn't been that this year. He does not look good. He is shooting a career low in three-point percentage. I believe it's 30% or something like that. And that is just, it's just not going to get the job done. And he's playing like quite a bit. And a lot of that is because holidays missed a lot of time. So he'll had to play more, but I need, I, I just haven't seen it. And like people are saying, Oh, well, Hill's not supposed to be playing this big role. It's like, yeah, I don't want him to average like 18 points a game, but can he shoot better than, 30.6 I think that was what it was last time I checked can he shoot better from three like he's just a liability out there offensively and against the Hawks he just wasn't like aggressive like he was he I think he shot like I think he started and he shot like five times and one of them was that pull up three late in the game that just didn't really make much sense but I don't know I'm not really high on him especially because like I said before our bench is 29th in points and 29th in assists and I don't think Hill's going to give you that, but a guy like Schroeder, a former six man of the year runner up easily, he'll give you double figures on a nightly basis. He'll be a guy that you can rely on when holiday needs a breather. And if holiday has to miss any more time, God forget, God forbidden. I mean, I'm all for the idea, especially because of his salary, you know, 5.9 million. He wanted big money apparently, but he took a prove it deal and he's proven himself. And, you know, if we did acquire him, we wouldn't be able to pay him the money he wants after the season, but he'd help the, the repeat, you know, the quest to repeat. I think he'd be great. So I am curious to hear what you have to say about the matter because I have been very passionate about it. <laughs> this is what I'll say about Dennis Schroeder. I'm not that big of a fan of his, and I don't think the Bucks need him compared to other parts or other guys that they could go for. I don't think Schroeder's the one. Even though I think Boston will probably get rid of him. They should, since he's on an expiring contract. But I don't think that the Bucks need him. And I get George Hill. He hasn't been the best in his role. His first stint with the Bucks was much better. He got a career high from three-point range in his first stint with the Bucks, And this year he's kind of definitely regressed. But the thing is, when it all comes down to the playoffs, I trust George Hill, and I know Coach Budenholzer does as well, and I don't really trust Schroeder, if, if that makes sense. No, I totally get what you're saying, and I, whenever people like make points against him, I totally get it. Like it's, I'm not like somebody that's going to be like, you know, blind myself to the criticisms of him and all that. You know, I've, 
I definitely understand. I'm willing to see both points of view, but just just from what I've seen from Hill this year, I definitely think that an upgrade upgrade could be made there, especially one that is reportedly available and you know is on a cheap deal and that could be traded. I just think that that's something to chase after. You know, I I get I get people that don't want to. I'm not going to bash anybody that doesn't want to, but yeah, that is one guy I think I think could work wonders for that bench unit. And honestly. I just don't see a string George Hill again. <laughs> he was I pissed. also thought about he was that. Yeah. The last time we traded him and it was right after the bubble. He and, was, uh, yeah, he was, re- he was recruiting for us too. I remember when we were trying he to was. get, we were trying to get Bogdanovich. George Hill was like talking to Bogdanovich because I believe they played together on the Kings and George Hill was like, yeah, come to Milwaukee. And then they traded George in the Drew trade. And George was like, hold on a minute. Why did you? So yeah, that was another thing to make him mad. So I could see why we wouldn't trade him again. Because, you know, that would just be, we'd be doing him dirty for sure. But if the opportunity presents itself, somebody like this, I think would be worth it. But that's just me, you know, don't, I understand the other points of view. So I absolutely, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. The next guy is Nicholas Batum from the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, Batum is on a very cheap contract. Just about $3 million, right? About $3 million? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. And so the Clippers are in an interesting, interesting position right now. I'm, they're in the play-in spot right now, but Paul George and Kawhi are injured. And while PG still has a couple of weeks before he returns, we don't know about Kawhi. And so they might be interested in being sellers ahead of the deadline. And so Batum could be expendable. And for not much. He's on a cheap contract. So what do you think about Batum and his, and the possibility of the Bucks acquiring him? Yeah. Just going off what you said about the Clippers and players being available. You know, I've, I've heard that everybody, but Kawhi PG and Terrence Mann might be available. So another guy that I kind of went back and forth with was Ibaka just because like we could definitely use that down low, but he's been hurt the past couple of years and I think he makes like nine million, so that'd be tough. Yeah, but they sent him to the MLE. Mm-hmm. I definitely think Batum is somebody that could help. You know, I think he had a he had a thirty-two point game in their last game. Like he went crazy, and I think adding somebody like him to the bench, who who the Bucks did have interest in before before he signed with the Clippers, he said that we reached out to him, and I was kind of bummed about that because, you know, I know the Charlotte years he got a huge contract and didn't really live up to it, but. When he's playing on a minimum deal like he is for the Clippers, he's solid. I think he's averaging like nine points a game, shooting really good this year. I think he's above 45% from the field and above 40% from three now. So good quality offensive player can give you something off the bench, once again, that we need scoring at. And defensively, I think he can, you know, take on a few different positions. He'd be pretty versatile for us. And kind of fill that role that we were talking about with other guys like Finney Smith and Holiday, a, a guy you can just shift around. And I'm all for the idea, especially because he's cheap. You know, I don't know what kind of package you would piece or what the Clippers might be looking for, but if they're willing to deal, I would definitely call about his availability. Yeah. He's an excellent stretch forward. He's been an underrated defender for throughout his entire career and he can play the five, which I think is huge because the Bucks kind of need that guy right now with Brooke out. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So it's definitely a realistic possibility as we approach a deadline here. And I'm sure the Bucks have their eyes on him. It just depends on, you know, like we said, the Clippers' stance on him. Because they definitely value him. But he's you've on that expiring contract. Those, you've always got to look at those guys that the, the Bucks have had some previous interest in. You know, like when it was P.J. before the... 2020 2021 season you know that was the guy that they monitored throughout the whole season and with Batum you know they've had that interest in him before he signed with the Clippers so I think that just makes him like more realistic if they're going to blow it up so I would keep an eye on that and I I would welcome him aboard with open arms you know I think he'd be a great pickup agreed then after Batum another guy that would add some size I am I am interested to hear what you have to say about this one it's Dwight Howard what do you think about that yeah, Dwight Howard is out of the rotation now for the Lakers. And the Lakers have reportedly been shopping Howard to other teams to get what kind, to see what kind of value he holds right now. 
because they obviously do not need him. They also have DeAndre Jordan, who they're not playing, and some other big guys. So he's definitely available, but he's another guy that I just don't know how he'd fit with the Bucks. I think his role would just be a backup big man, and I don't even know if he'd be in the playoff rotation. He's on a minimum contract, which makes him extremely gettable, but I just don't know if he's the right guy to get out of all these other options that the Bucks have. Yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely understand their concerns about like the playoff rotation and all that, but I think just, just to get through like the rest of the regular season, the Bucks are going to need a backup big and somebody like Howard that's on a minimum deal and can provide that size down low. You know, he's one of the great defenders of this generation, not anymore, but this is a three-time defensive player of the year, you know, winner. And we just need that protection down low. You know, we need a guy that can protect the hoop, grab some rebounds and he fits that. If you can swap him for like Ojale or Hood or something like that, some minimum guys like that, I'm totally for it. I am totally for it. He doesn't, he doesn't fit that mold. Like somebody, somebody that we're going to look at actually very <laughs> right after this one that fits, but offensively he doesn't stretch the floor or anything, but I just think the Bucks need another big out there. And even if it's somebody like Howard, that would be kind of an awkward fit on a minimum deal. I'm totally fine with something like that. Would you rather have Dwight Howard or DeMarcus Cousins? Oh, I would absolutely rather have DeMarcus Cousins. He played, he played well for us. He was averaging like nine points a game. And like, I, I don't get me started on that again. I think that's the thing. That's the thing that if we get a guy like Dwight Howard, via trade, then everyone's going to ask, why not just keep Boogie? Yeah, I um, feel that, well, people were all also like, oh, well, why did why did we not keep Cousins and cut Ojale or cut Hood or something like that? And it's just, that's not something the money was going to do because it was going to cost more money. But if we were able to swap, you know, Hood or Ojale and get Howard like that, that's different. But yeah, those questions would definitely pop up. And to solve all these center issues, I really just would have preferred to keep Cousins, but I'm not pulling the strings up there, so... Right. Well, the next guy is also a guy in a cheap contract. It's Mike Muscala from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, those who don't know Muscala, he's a stretch big, another one of those stretch bigs that is shooting very well from three-point range this season. Um, Might be a little liability defensively, but he can shoot the head out of the ball. And the Thunder are obviously in a huge mega rebuild right now. Uh, So he's available if the Bucs are interested. What's the possibility you think we could go from Escala? I think it's totally there. Like you said, the Thunder in that rebuild and they'll trade just about anybody if you offer any kind of draft compensation. So I think if the Bucks are like, hey, I've got Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood in this second round pick here. How would you like to give us Mike Muscala? Maybe they'd do it. You know, I mean, they're pretty willing. I know Muscala is a good veteran presence in that young locker room, but I think somebody like that would be great for the Bucs. He is shooting the ball very well this year. He's well above 40% from three. And, you know, like you said, he wouldn't provide much defensively. He's not much of a rebounder, but just another big body they could bring in. And somebody like that would fit great next to Giannis and in this bud system, you know, somebody that could just stretch the floor like that. So, no, I'm all for it, especially because of that cheap deal. I think he's three and a half million this season. And I, I'm totally for the move. I think he'd be a great fit, you know there'd be concerns defensively as there always are when the Bucks bring in somebody, but you know, cousins wasn't outstanding defensively and he stuck pretty quickly. So I think somebody shooting above 40% from three, like Muscala would be great. Right. And the thing is the thunder, they do like Muscala in that locker room as a veteran presence, like you said. So I'd assume his value is probably around two second round picks and then some salary fillers or one, but I don't think one second round pick is going to do it because the Thunder, you know, they have a million picks. What's the second round pick going to going to do for them? So we'll see, but he's definitely a realistic possibility. Yeah, I definitely think if the Thunder are going to do anything, they're going to look to do bigger moves. You know, like they're always the team that kind of facilitates those bigger moves, like when the Kemba for Horford thing. So I don't think that they're going to make anything little like that. I think Muscala will be attached, if anything, in some bigger deal. But but I can dream, you know, I think he'd be a great pickup for the Bucs. So. Another guy that I just thought of on the Thunder is Kenrick Williams, who would also be a similar fit, you know, a stretch forward. 
guy that'll also be probably around two second round picks, maybe more, but they like him too. And he's also had a good season. So it all depends he's on the interesting. Yeah, he's interesting. Right. I don't know what the Thunder are going to do. The Thunder, they're kind of a weird team to me. Like, you know if they have a a CP3 or something there that they were willing to deal. But like you said, they just really like Muscala in that locker room. And Williams has been having a great season. So I don't know. I don't know if they're going to deal those guys or not. But either of them on the books would be fine with me. Yeah, and you never know. And we know the NBA is a business, but OKC's general manager, Sam Presti, He's gone out of his way to ask them where they want to go or if they want to be traded. He's one of those general managers. So it depends on the Thunder's stance, depends on their value, and it depends on Mascala's and Williams' desire to go to a title contender. That is true. Yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. But I guess the, the last name on the list here, he's a pretty interesting name. We mentioned him briefly earlier, but it's Miles Turner, you know, of the Indiana Pacers who – we mentioned with Holiday are kind of going going through what looks to be a rebuild coming up. So what do you think about Turner? I know there was a lot of talk because of Brooks' injury and whether he's going to come back or not, and Bucks fans saying we should just try to replace Turner with Lopez. But what do you think about that? Yeah, it was funny when the news surfaced that the Pacers were going to be heading toward, you know, a slim rebuild and Miles Turner was available. We saw all over Bucks' Twitter the package around Brooke Lopez and Dante DiVincenzo, and one other, maybe a semi Ojale or Rodney Hood, to get Miles Turner. And the first thing, I wasn't not open to it at all at first because I thought Brooke would come back right away. And the only reason we, we would make that trade is if we knew Brooke was not coming back this season. But I just can't see us trading for Miles Turner if there's that chance that Lopez returns this season. Just a little chance. If there's no chance, I could see us doing it. But again, Burke's going to be on contract for a full another season, so he'll be back with us next year as long as we don't trade him in the offseason or now. But I like Miles Turner. Um, he did just get that foot injury that will sideline him for at least two weeks, and then he'll be reevaluated, which definitely hurts his trade value. So his value has gone down now, so it might be easier for a team to acquire him before the deadline, but I just don't think that team will be the Bucks. I'm right there with you. I don't think, I think that injury definitely complicates things, not just for the Bucks, but for any team, because he might not be back on the floor before the deadline. And it's tough because I don't think the Bucks are going to trade Lopez. I've heard that he's going to be back maybe well before the playoffs, like well before. So I don't think that they're going to trade him for a, another center like that. And I don't even know if the, what the Pacers want. Are the Pacers really going to want a 33-year-old coming off a back surgery and a guard that they're going to have to pay at the end of the season? I don't think so. Unlikely. So, yeah. And we don't have any first offer. I read today, I think, trying to think of who said it. Might have been the Athletic. They said that the Pacers, or might have been Bleacher Report. One of them said that the Pacers are looking for either two first-round picks or a first-round pick and a promising young player. And we can't really offer any of that. So right. Turner's another guy, like I said before, if they make more than $10 million annually, I wouldn't count on it. And I think he's well above that mark. I think he's at like, I don't know what he's at, but he's well above the $10 million mark. So I don't see it happening for the Bucks. I think they'll stand pat and pray Lopez is having a good recovery. Yep. Turner's making $17.5 million this year. And he'll make the same next year as well. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't count on it, especially anybody over 15 million. I just can't see it happening because it, yeah. in that case, you'd probably have to include Pat as well as Lopez. And I couldn't see the bucks. There's including Pat, Pat, Pat will not be traded. Mm-hmm. I Pat, don't think so. No, Pat might be untouchable. He's been that good for the bucks this season. Absolutely. I am. I am right there with you, especially after what he did in the playoffs last year, you know, when Bud, I remember there were games in the playoffs where Bud would shrink the rotation and Pat was, you know, the guy. He was the guy off the bench that would help. So I think he's too vital for the Bucks to trade. You know, obviously not in all talks if like a superstar comes available, but that's not going to happen. So nope. you definitely keep Pat. You don't trade Pat for a guy like Miles Turner, especially when he's got this foot injury and then you have to include another player like Lopez. I don't think it's going to happen. Nope. And similar to Bobby Portis. Pat Connaughton has been a star in his role. 
He's been so efficient and consistent. He's been amazing for this team. One of the highlights of the year has been Pat Connaughton, in my opinion, for the Bucks. It's been great to see. And the last thing I'll say about Miles Turner is that I've always liked him. He's one of the best shot blockers in the league. But I went to that Pacers-Suns game uh, last week and didn't really like what I saw. Didn't play that well. So, I don't know. Just being there on paper, it seems like he'd be a great fit with the Bucks, but I just don't know if it's it'd be worth giving all those assets up for him. And at the same time, I don't think the Pacers would consider the assets that we have. And so, therefore... It seems very unlikely that we're going to get Miles Turner. Yeah, that's a thing with any any Bucks trade package. You have to consider whether the other team is going to see our assets fitting. You know, Bucks fans can plug Dante and Wara and Ojale into the trade machine, but opposing teams are going to see him just how we see him. You know, as guys struggling and not the most desirable. So even if the money works, where the Pacers would take. Brooke, Pat, and Dante for Turner, you know, you have to consider, oh, will the Pacers really take that deal? So in any realm, I cannot see it happening. I just cannot see a world where the Bucks are like, okay, we'll trade two key players and then a guy we think can be a key player for your center who has good potential, but also has a foot injury. Like if you're trading Brooke for Turner, you're just swapping like injured centers. And I know Turner's is probably less serious than, serious than Lopez, but like we don't know that right now. So I just think the Bucks. I would cross Turner off that list. I don't think there's any reality to us getting him. I would do. I'd cross him off the list, and I think he's more likely to go to a team like Charlotte, who actually needs a defensive anchor badly. Like he'd Turner. be nice for them. He'd be nice for them. I I definitely wouldn't mind seeing Charlotte give up all those. I've heard their shop in some of their pieces too, but if a team goes all out for Turner, I think it should be Charlotte. I think they yep. would definitely make sense. Not the Bucks. Not the Bucks. I just I just can't see it happening. There are guys on this list that make sense, but I don't think he makes the cut. All right, that wraps up our top trade candidates for the 2022 trade deadline for the Milwaukee Bucks. There might be more options, you know. General Manager John Horse is a magician, so you never know, right? You never know. I you mean, never know. he can do anything. <laughs> exactly. All right. The last thing we have for this podcast, this episode today, is the 2022 All-Star Game, which is February 20th in Cleveland. And we know Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's going to be an All-Star starter for sure. He might be the captain. He's in contention with Kevin Durant. So we'll keep our eye on that. But we're going to make our case for Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to be 2022 All-Stars this year. Drew has been injured, and he's had COVID. He's been out for almost two weeks now. It's really hurt his spot as an All-Star. And before COVID and his injury, I know I wrote an article on Hoops Habit that he should be an All-Star lock because that's how well he was playing before his absence on both ends of the floor and having another career year in his second year with the Bucks. Do you think that Drew has a chance to be an all-star this year? Or do you think he will be an all-star this year? And if so, or if not, who are your six all-star guards? As a biased fan, you know, I'd love Drew to be in there. And like you said before, the injuries and the illness that has caused him to miss these past few games, I think he should have been in there for sure. But it's going to be tough to put him in there now because, you know, watching Van Fleet torch us in two games and watching... Garland Garland's been playing so well I definitely think those two are gonna they both might get in there I think they both really have a chance to crawl in there and sneak over because Drew's stock has just dropped in these past six games that he's been out but when he plays he is just he is an all-star like he's been so underrated for so long that so long he's only he's only got one all-star nod and it came back he was playing for Philly you know not even New Orleans but he he needs he needs one man like it's so what's the word I'm just so disappointed that he got hurt because he was playing so well and I really thought that he was going to be an all-star and he still could be you know I he definitely could come back and go on a tear right away but it sucks to see him be playing so well and then get taken out for six games and now he's got this ankle soreness you know it's tough but I don't think I don't think the race is over. I think if he comes back and puts together a strong final stretch, he could 
crawl, crawl his way back into that race, you know. He definitely deserves it. But, you know, the all-star locks right now for guards, there's six max spots for guards. And the starters will come down to Trey Young. DeMar DeRozan's probably a lock there. Mm-hmm. Zach Levine. James Harden. Those are four locks right there. And then Fred Van Vliet and Darius Garland are likely. That's six. That's already six right there. And then you also have LaMelo Ball, who's also in the conversation. So it's just it just seems real difficult, especially with his absence these last few weeks, that Drew Holiday is going to get in, even though he deserves it. Maybe he'll get in, get in as a replacement player if he doesn't get selected. But it just sucks because he deserves it this year. And he's only had one all-star appearance, like you said, back in 2013. Yeah, he's so underrated. Even in the fan vote, you know, um, Holiday had less votes than Derrick Rose, who's been out for a good portion of the season, and less than Kyrie. And I know Kyrie's popular, but when the fan voting opened, I don't think Kyrie was playing yet. So I don't think Drew cracked the top 10 in East Guard. So I was disappointed in that. Just, Just shows he's still underrated, even after winning a championship and a gold medal. Yep. And Drew, Drew is averaging 18 points per game, nearly 19, six assists, four rebounds, 1.6 steals, almost a full block. And he's shooting at an efficient rate. He's shooting like, what is it, 37% from three. And he's just been so efficient on a consistent basis too. And, you know, it's just, I think it's time we start appreciating defense more when it comes to voting in the All-Star game. Because it just seems like we haven't done it much in the past. And he's one of the best, if not the best, defender for guard in the entire league. And he does he it might be the best defender. He might be the best defender in general. You know, I mean, you could say... You well, could make an argument. Not, you could say, well, he's not even the best defender on his team. But, you know, I mean, there's a. you could say Drew's the best defender in the NBA. I'm not going to be mad at you. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, I think... I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth if I don't know the actual quote, but I think if you ask some NBA players, they'd say, you know, Drew's probably the best defender. So that's just me. You know, I wouldn't be mad at you if you said it was Giannis or something, but Drew's got a case. Definitely the best guard defender. I don't think there are too many names that come up besides Drew. Even if you ask players, I know KD said, you know, Drew's the best guard defender in the NBA. And if KD's telling you that, you know, it's got to be for real for a score like that but it is like you said just to echo what you said it's going to be tough for him to get in with this missed stretch but if he comes back tomorrow puts on a show keeps the ball rolling I don't know when the all-star break is exactly but he's got a chance I'll just say he's got a chance to get in there but if Garland and Van Vliet keep rolling like this it's going to be tough yeah I really hope he gets in he definitely deserves it now Chris Middleton earlier in the season if you would have told me that Chris Middleton would be an all-star, I would have called you crazy because he did not start the season well. He wasn't. He hasn't been efficient or consistent to start, but he's been on a really good stretch lately. And it makes you wonder, does he have a chance to make the all-star game? Because the forwards, unlike the guards, are in a much different category here. It's wide open, it seems. The only locks for forwards are Giannis, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Probably Jimmy Butler, even though he's missed a lot of games. And then Jason Tatum, possibly. Jarrett Allen's in the conversation. Jalen Brown and a few others. Chris is definitely in the conversation. But after the way he started, it would have been unlikely. But now that he's rolling, do you think Chris Middleton has a chance? I think it would definitely be tough for him to get in there. Just because, like you said, he had such a such a tough start to the season. It was, it was ugly for a while. I remember he was shooting. I think there was a time where Giannis had a better three point percentage than Chris this season. And that's just, that's bad. But I remember Chris was shooting career lows in a lot of the categories, putting up career lows in a lot of the categories. And it was like that for a while. And he's definitely flipped the switch lately, but his turnovers are just something else, man. Like it has been, ugly to watch he had eight against Atlanta in the last game and I, I think I don't think Chris is a guy even when he is on like he has been on lately you know like if you take away the turnovers he's been outstanding lately I think he the game before Atlanta I'm trying to remember who it was against might have been against Toronto he had a bad game but other than that you know he's been very good he had a season high last game but 
I feel like he's a guy that's underrated by the media. You know, they don't don't really care for him. You know, like always has great, been. Yeah, he had a great finals run. You know, he had a lot of clutch performances and for sure, you know, helped the Bucks helped the Bucks win their title. But even then, I don't feel like because he's not the, you know, he's not the flashiest guy. He's not Kevin Durant, and he or he's not James Harden. Even though he's got flashy moves like that, he's not just like a flashy guy that people are drawn to him in that sort of light that they are with guys like Tatum or even Butler and stuff like that. So I don't think Chris has a good chance, but, but he could, he could prove me wrong. You know, if he keeps it up and his numbers keep going up, the shooting splits keep going up. He keeps consistently putting in good performances. That's going to be the big thing is consistently doing it because like I said, two games ago, he had just an awful game. And then last night he comes out and drops a season high in points. So it's really going to depend if he can put it all together consistently. But even if he doesn't make the all-star game, you know, he's got that pedigree where he's in that category of being an all-star, I guess. But it's been a tough season for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it. And right now he's getting that groove back offensively, but I want to see him cut back on the turnovers. And like you said earlier, a lot of that comes from Holiday not being in there because he's got to handle it more. And right. Maybe he's not used to handling it that much, but like eight turnovers, man, you you got to get a, a grip on that. So it's going to be tough for him. That's all I got to say. I'm yeah. rooting for him, and I hope he gets there, but it's going to be tough. Chris is currently averaging 19 points per game, five rebounds, five assists. He's shooting 39% from three, but he's only shooting 43% from the field. So mm-hmm. we know we call him mid-range Middleton, money Middleton, but he has not been money on a consistent basis this year so we'll see the bucks deserve to have two all-stars at least in the all-star game but you know we'll see all right we are out of time dalton thanks for doing this with me first episode of the keeping the buck podcast show it's truly an honor my man thank you hey i appreciate you having me as the first guest it was great to talk about some trades and i hope we get some i hope something goes on and i hope we get a couple all-stars in the game this year so absolutely all right man take it easy i will thank you fear the deer go bucks thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.